Welcome to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Gray Scott. On this show, we address the challenges faced in today's church and culture in a postmodern, post-Christian era. Dr. Haley believes that in addressing those issues, the church must have a missional mindset. Christianity does have the answers of today's culture. Let's join Dr. Haley for today's conversation. Welcome to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Gray Scott and co-host Hannah Greaser, a show where we are exploring and unpacking some of the most important changing elements of our culture and the questions that they pose to the church today. Today with us, we have uh, Danielle Reeves, who has established Resilience Church, which has a new model and a new approach to church. And, you know, Hannah, one of the things that I have noticed about um, young adults in the Kaleo Project is how they love the small group setting within the young adult group, but they really have a hard time um, fitting in in the on the Sunday mornings, yeah. like actually going to the service. So they're, they're happy and they feel fulfilled to go to those small groups where they can feel like they can be, you know, face to face with people who actually know them. But it's it's harder for them to go into that sermon setting like the Sunday morning setting. Right. Because you can actually engage in a small group, you know, provide input, what God is teaching you. Whereas I feel like, you know, I am a young adult for people who are listening and may not know um, kind of the sermon centric model of going to church where you go and receive and then leave it's like we can get that on a podcast now we can get that right on youtube we can get that anywhere and so especially as COVID is lifting and people are craving those human interactions i think it's it's like how can we actually be real and how can we actually connect yeah you know and sometimes i feel like or you know something that i have struggled with from i guess my earliest memories growing up in a Southern Baptist church were, was the difficulty of seeing one person on stage as quote unquote, the authority figure, the person who had all the knowledge to distill to all the people. And, you know, sometimes it feels that way because, you know, I was a writer for Chuck Swindoll and I read all of his sermons. And so I'm like, dude, I will listen to you any day of the week because he is just like, a master but a lot of times it goes to church and it was just this one it's like the knowledge is centered on one person and so I've struggled with that ever since I can remember and I'm an old lady you know I'm you know generation X I'm not even afraid to say I was born in 1978 a different millennium from my own kids so anyway today with us is Danielle Reeves and she has planted Resilience Church she is here with us to Danielle, can you just launch in? Tell us a little bit about yourself, your yeah. ministry experiences. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Nice to see you both. Uh, yeah, as Haley said, my name is Danielle Reeves. I'm the lead pastor and lead church planter at Resilience Church in Lakewood, Colorado. I've got over 30 years of ministry experience and a whole range of avenues. And um, yeah, live here in Colorado. Married to my husband David for 27 years. Have four kids: Cole, Brennan, Aubrey, and Micah. Awesome. So how would you think that, you know, you've been in ministry for a long time. Yep. You've had a lot of ministry experiences. So can you share with us a little bit about how your ministry experiences like informed your desire to branch off and start this church called Resilience Church? Yeah, to be honest, um, I didn't know that they informed my decision to do that instead until <laughs> after I stepped out into it. Um, honestly, I mean, I was kind of walking through that process. I sensed an invitation into church planting and 
uh, worked with a group called Stadia. They assess and then train and develop church planters. And really it was going through that assessment process as I was feeling kind of a, an invitation out of my current context. Um, I was the executive pastor at a larger church, just sensed that it was, there was an invite to something else. And church planting was one of those things that just kind of fell into my lap. Um, so as I was working with Stadia and going through the assessment process, it was really going through that and reflecting backwards that I began to see, gosh, there are a lot of things that I've done that, that ended up pointing towards church planting from working in urban ministry in, in uh, Philadelphia to being a school teacher to running a MOPS program to starting a preschool to serving as executive pastor, all of these different pieces of my path that seemed like this total zigzag all of a sudden pointed towards something. You know, it, it reminds me, it's amazing how God pieces together these pieces of our lives that we like my grand, my grandmother used to make these crazy quilts out of pat pieces of clothing yep. and God makes these crazy quilts out of the different pieces of our lives. Like, you know, I've used frying chicken. I, that was like my second job. My first job was cleaning churches, which I still feel like I do today in a different sense. <laughs> and then, um, you know, the second was frying chicken, you know, and just, that, you know, pulling together the, 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 uh, humility of, in the act of service mm. of being in that position and being in a position of being unseen behind the, behind the scenes of everything. And today, even I stop to, I try to stop to acknowledge the person behind the scenes, the yeah. person working at Sonic when I get my drink or something like that. But God manages to piece together all of these different elements of our lives to inform his purpose for us. Yeah, and, and sometimes we only see the backside of the quilt. Right, so we just which see is messy. all the threads and that, yeah, it doesn't look like much of anything. And really it's, you know, sometimes I think we get the privilege to step back and see what it looks like on the front side. Right, yeah. yeah. And so, Danielle, for people who aren't familiar with what Resilience Church is yeah. or how it works, can you just describe um, the initial vision and yep. what it, what y'all are doing now? Yeah, absolutely. So the initial vision was really to become a space for people that didn't have a space, uh, whether they were people that had had experience with a faith journey or those who hadn't at all, really just wanted to provide an opportunity for people to gather together, um, to have conversation with one another, and then to explore, like, what is this? Is there something bigger than myself? If so, what what is that? Um, a safe place to ask questions. Mm. And y'all meet at breweries, you do picnics, like yep. what are some of the activities? Yeah. We, um, so we started off in a coffee shop. So that wasn't, that wasn't the original plan, you know, like everybody else, the, the original plan um, changed in the midst of the pandemic. So we were planning to be in a church, in a facility that we were going to rent out. And when COVID shut everything down, we, we made a change and we ended up at a coffee shop after hours. I've got a friend that owns a shop. They let us use it for free. Um, so hybrid model where we had about 10 people in the room, the rest were online on Zoom, very interactive. Um, if you've been to a church experience before, felt very different from that. Um, you know, it wasn't the person presenting a sermon from the front. It wasn't, um, you know, the stage. It was just, the, it's this very interactive, interpersonal experience. And it's been really cool. So can you unpack like an experience for us? Like, yeah. um, what is like a typical yep. gathering like? Yeah. So um, I'll talk about the first couple months and then I'll tell you about a typical gathering. The first couple months, we really focused on what does it look like to build relationships? Kind of this idea that our, our relational muscles have atrophied a bit. Um, and I think atrophied even more during the pandemic. And so we started with things like 
How do you have conversations with people that are different from you? Um, how do you show empathy to others? Haley, you were talking earlier about the you know drive-through at Sonic. I mean, how do you imagine what it's like to be the Sonic worker so that when you're interacting, you can show empathy? How do you show gratitude? Um, what do you do when you're in the midst of compassion fatigue? What does it look like to have self-care? So all of these different things that really within the Christ Christian faith tradition are things that Jesus models and points to and we know is a, um, a points to a flourishing life. And we really wanted to model those things and talk about those things before we ever got into talking about anything that had to do with the Bible. So after that period of time now, we, um, we meet and we always start with some sort of get to know you question. Uh, we want everybody to see, be seen and feel seen. Jesus saw people before he ever asked anything of them. And so we want people to have that experience. Um, and then we talk about kind of our overarching principles. So the new person is the most important person in the room. Um, we all bring different perspectives to the table. When Jesus traveled with his disciples, if he would have been here in this culture, in this political time, he would have had far left, far right, and everything in between. And so we really want to make sure it's a space where people with different perspectives can um, can be honored. And then the third one is that we're all on a journey, that you know we don't, we don't ever arrive. And so you're never behind because we're all kind of on this journey together. Um, so we do that. We do a debrief of whatever ever our week before was. And then the way that we talk through um, stories from the Bible really models uh, something that Jesus did. There's a story about Jesus sending out 72 of his disciples. And um, the first thing he did was he saw them. And then he taught a principle. He taught them, sent them out to practice it. He invited them back. They debriefed. He taught a new principle. He realigned where needed. And so that's really what we're doing. We're equipping people. We're um, talking through the Bible. We're giving space to ask questions. And then we're sending people out to practice and coming back and, and talking that through. Yeah, I like the whole concept of, you know, Jesus would have attracted far right and far left yep. because... I have, I've been watching with my family, the chosen, which, you know, if anyone doubts that spirituality and faith in Jesus is alive and well in America or in the world, look at the funding that's going behind the chosen, yeah. but just to see the tensions of where each of the disciples are coming from and how they just, the, how they rub against each other so poorly sometimes, yeah. you know, and even, even John in the Bible's like, the one that Jesus loved. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Well, I think the thing that the chosen is so brilliant at is it, it conjures up these emotions for us. So it helps us put ourselves in the story. I mean, that's what movies and shows do. And that's really what we're going for at our, we call them learning communities. We're really trying to invite people into the story because once we're in the story and we start to imagine what it was like during that time, then all of a sudden we can connect the dots to what, how that translates to today. This is a total tangent, but me and yeah. my daughters always want to give Matthew a hug. <laughs> and I'm always saying to the screen, Matthew, your book is my favorite about the Gospels, you know? Yeah, he's a great character. <laughs> I think I need to watch this show. <laughs> you do. Uh, you had a question about the resilience and the name behind resilience. Shoot it. At, shoot it. Yes. Hannah. Yeah. That is pretty much the question. What made you choose the name resilience? <laughs> yeah, that is Hannah's question. not mine. <laughs> it, well, it's a great question. So it's um, as we were kind of processing like what what in the world? What in the world do we call this church? Um, the word resilience just kept coming to mind. And I love the word because it's often associated with kind of overcoming hardship by holding tight to something more powerful than our suffering. Wow. And if you think about here we are in the midst of this pandemic, there's grief all over the place. I mean, there's horrific grief around the world, lives lost, 
um, you know, some really hard, hard things going on. And then there's the day-to-day grief of the loss of dreams, the loss of um, of normalcy. And so this whole idea of this suffering, but recognizing that there's something bigger than that suffering. And the, the thought behind it is that through the work of Christ, we can be resilient in the face of adversity because we know God stands with us. So it's this, this idea that God's presence offers us resilience. And that's really the permission for us to hope in the midst of life's unavoidable challenges. But really, it's kind of more than that. It's more than the dance between adversity and determination. It um, comes out of a sense of purpose. And at Resilience Church, our sense of purpose comes out of knowing that God has invited us into his work here on earth. And so as we learn about God's place in our lives, we become more resilient to forces that pull us in other directions. So resilience becomes this opportunity to grow as Christ transforms us individually and corporately. It's really not just this static state of where we are, but it's a journey towards becoming more like Jesus. That's awesome. And just curious, did you yeah. pick the name yeah. before COVID or in the middle of COVID? Um, it had started, we had started talking through it before, uh-huh. um, but we landed on it after. Right. Like it's right kind of prophetic the then, right? Like, that's <laughs> cool. That's cool. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a cool. I love the concept of resilience. I've actually studied a lot of survivor literature, mm. you know, even things outside of you know, the Christian faith or faith in general, but just survival literature. Yeah. I mean, I was on Maui and I was taking a break in my PhD and we were at the Barnes and Noble on Maui. And for my fun reading, I picked uh, who lives, who dies and why <laughs> deep survival, who lives and who dies and why. And the whole thing is about resiliency. Yeah. And the re- what launched this guy into this is because his dad had been dropped. He was a POW he had been dropped into this camp somewhere I don't exact I don't remember where I mean it was years ago I read that book but it was amazing and it, it launched my inquiry into the concept of resiliency and survival I I yeah. love those concepts it's amazing I just saw um, I'm not even going to be able to tell you where I saw this article but I just read the top of an article that popped up yesterday that was talking about studies that are being done on the fact that resiliency and that idea of um, how do you walk through when things are hard actually adds years to to life yeah, because it's a there's a coping opportunity in that. There's a proverb. I'm not. Sh- I'm sorry, Hannah. Uh, there's a proverb. I'm not exactly sure. I mean, some people say it's a Chinese proverbs. Some people say it's a Jewish proverb of the oak and the reed, mm. and be not like the mighty oak that when the oak, when the wind comes that it knocks the mighty oak down, but be like the tender reed that's able to sway yeah. within the winds. Yeah, oh, that's I love deep. That. And um, so, you know, my whole life until I read that proverb, I was like, I'm going to be a mighty oak. And (laughs) yeah, just until I get knocked down. (laughs) And then you splinter off into branches that can function as reeds or something like that. I don't know. Or just wither and die and become kindling. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Maybe. But um, so because Resilience Church has, you know, a different model than most churches you would walk into. Yeah. you know, Haley, something Haley and I talk about, or at least happened recently, is the future of the church, like where we think it's going in this moment. Huh. And so we're curious about your opinions on where you think God is leading the church to change right now yep. or where you think it should change. Yeah. And not to be critical of the church, but just to think about the change of culture yeah. in general and how the church is always adapting. Yep. The church has always adapted to the changing times, yep. you know, because Christ remains the same, but the way that that we 
we reach to Christ changes as as people change yep. and cultures change. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll start by saying I'm a co-journeyer in this. Um, I, you know, I I'm asking the same question that you're asking, and so uh, what I what I don't have is any sort of hard answer. Um, but what I do have are a lot of questions I'm asking myself, and um, one of them is. Uh, here we're looking at, I think that the pandemic has revealed cracks in our foundation. Um, it's revealed cracks in our foundation as a culture. It's revealed cracks in our foundation as families. And I think it's revealed cracks in our foundation as as the, the church, as the larger church, um, and as smaller churches. And I think that we can look at um, those cracks and, and we can be depressed about them. Um, and I think that there is some lament in realizing that we've got cracks. But I also think that there's an opportunity for us to then flex on that. How do we adapt? How do we, um, how do we honestly analyze? How do we ask some hard questions? And some of the hard questions that have just been wrestling, that I've been wrestling with is, um, if we look back at what it means to be the church, what, what does that mean? If we look back at the early church, if we look back at, at church history, um, what are the things that are primary to what it means to be the church, this movement of the church? And, and what are things that we've added in our American culture or we've added in, our, um, in this time and space? Um, and then what does it look like for us to hold on to the things that are primary but then become flexible in the things that, that aren't primary. And so we're just constantly going through this process of asking, where are we, where are we missing? Um, it's a very vulnerable question. It means that we may need to change, and change is really hard. But I think it's really important because we've got a lot of people in our culture that we're missing. Yeah. And it's not that we want to change the message to fit the culture, but we do need to, sometimes we need to change the mode of operation to, meet, to reach our culture. Uh, what are some of those things that y'all have found are secondary? Yeah, um, I think that we have, so time and space is not a bad thing, it's a good thing. But I've realized talking to a lot of people that have been experiencing Resilience Church, we've gotten so used to it having to be a specific time and a specific space that church happens that we have lost the, um, the reality that church is a movement that happens 24 seven. Hmm. So I think that's one of the spaces that we've been thinking about. That's really cool. How if something is a movement, it can't really be confined. Yeah, and again, a church that, that functions in a space and at a time for years, and they've done a job of doing things outside of that building. But I think it, it's us to want to hold on to the things that are right in front of us. And one of the, the opportunities that's some, we, we don't building, nobody can call, call our building their own because we borrow somebody else's space. And so instead of having this, um, this gathering where it's all about us, people have to go out. They have to spend time with neighbors and people in their workspace. And that's brought a lot of freedom and a lot of really neat opportunities. Right. It almost makes you less territorial if you're bringing a guest or something because yes. it's like, hey, come grab a drink with me and my friends or yes. like that. Does it feel like yeah. a blessing in disguise that you oh, had to meet in the coffee shop? Totally. I mean, I like I would have never planned. I'm Honestly, I would have never planned on church planting. I just kind of landed mm -hmm. in it and I love it. Um, I would have never planned if the pandemic hadn't happened. I would have never, ever, ever um, thought of going this direction. We just went this direction because we had to, mm -hmm. and it's been really amazing. It's exactly what you said. I mean, it's when you take that idea that the new person is the no most important person in the room, it takes it off of me and it puts it on the other. 
And when you talk about uh, we need to value people from different perspectives and we need to practice empathy, and then you send people out into coffee shops and neighborhoods, all of a sudden something amazing starts happening where this um, overlap of lives begins to occur and people start caring for one another in amazing ways without me ever having to say a word. You mentioned, you know, people coming from different backgrounds that are coming to to these gatherings. Yep. And I, do, are there any specific things that are standing out to you about these people that why are they coming and what yeah. are their backgrounds like yep. and why might their backgrounds be leading them to these gatherings? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I so here are some of the backgrounds and then I'll tell you the theme that I think is a commonality. Um, we've got people that have been parts of other churches um, for years and something hurtful happened and they feel lost. Um, we have singles that feel alienated because their church experience has been um, so around families that they don't feel like they have a space. We have people who are exploring faith and, um, and are trying to figure out like what they believe but they have felt like there hasn't been a space for them to ask questions. Um, so we've got, we've got, you know, we've got people from different ethnic backgrounds. So I think the commonality is most of the people in that group have felt like the other at one point or time, at one point of time or another. And, um, and I think, I don't know, I'm curious to know if they feel seen. Uh, there's something about we all want that we all desire that we want to be seen by one another we want to be seen by you know a creator or you know for us got this creator god this um father of of jesus and i think that there's something about this model that because it's that smaller model we're sitting across from each other even if we're on zoom we're trying to mimic sitting across from each other i think people feel seen and there's a draw to that so they're then they're inviting other people to come yeah. because they have friends that want to be seen. Yeah. That's great. Um, just a question that it, it kind of goes back to thinking about the structure, but leadership at your church, is yeah. it more corporate or? Yeah. Okay. Great question. Um, so we, so we've done some things on purpose. Um, one of the, one of my convictions, and again, this is my journey, so I'm not putting this on all churches. Um, one of my convictions is that I think um, over the years, I've been very invested in people and discipling people, but I'm not sure how well I've equipped them to then disciple other people. And so just this process of, you know, what does it look like for us to um, share this leadership space? Because if we share the space, then we work as the original church where it was a body that worked together and impacted and equipped um, and not just paid staff that does that. So we're very intentional about shared leadership in that way. And then we're very intentional about male-female shared leadership and intergenerational shared leadership. I just think that that's a healthy model. And again, if you look at, at um, the early church, there was a lot of diversity in backgrounds. Right. Well, yeah. yeah, I admire your ambition to try new things that I think a lot of people are like, oh, that would be great, but maybe it wouldn't work. Or, you know, I haven't seen it. And so I don't want to take a risk with something as, I don't know, dire as people's spirituality. Like, I think I it's just refreshing to hear that you're trying a lot of these things that we've thought about, but didn't necessarily know. Yeah. Um, and so with that, 
we would love to know what your long-term hope for resilience is. Like if you yep. look at it in 10 years, what, yep. do you, what would you hope to see? Yeah. Uh, so I really think if we're going to equip people to equip people, then it, there's got to be a process that's replicable. Um, and I don't think replicable becomes super big as far as number of people in the room. So I think replicable becomes how do you recreate these smaller spaces where people feel seen, they feel known, and there's diversity in there. And so our long-term plan is to develop a group of people who uh, we then equip and train to replicate this in different parts of the city. And honestly, you could do it anywhere because we've got people that zoom in. So that's the long-term vision. Great. Yeah. That's great. Well, and if people want to find out more about Resilience Church, where can yeah. they go? Yep. What can they yep. look up on the web? Or Yeah, so you can go to our website at resiliencechurch.org, or you can look for us on Facebook or Instagram at Resilience Church. Awesome. Well, Danielle, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. Nice to see you both. Yeah, it's it's nice good to, to see you. you. It's so nice to be back in the studio with guests face-to-face because it makes such a difference in dynamic. <laughs> it goes back to the incarnation. I'm like a big incarnation person. Anyway, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. And thank you listeners for um, listening in, dropping in on our convo today. If you want to find out more about our show or perhaps listen to our podcast, um, check out our website at www.christiancurious.co. That's www.christiancurious.co. And stay curious. Thank you for listening to Christian Curious. You can contact Dr. Haley at Haley, H-A-L-E-E, at ChristianCurious.co. That's H-A-L-E-E at ChristianCurious.co. Catch all the episodes on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also learn more at www.ChristianCurious.co.